Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 26 of Daffy's Roundtable. On this episode, we're talking pythons with Billy Hunt of Uwabami Reptiles. Billy's an incredible breeder who has worked with many different types of pythons over the years. And today, we're going to talk about his experiences keeping and breeding these beautiful snakes. We're also going to talk about what other cool projects he's currently working on. So if you want to learn about carpet pythons or maclot pythons or green tree pythons, or if you want to learn about carpondros, make sure you stick around. But first, a special thanks to the show sponsor, Exoterra, for making this episode possible. Exoterra makes quality products for our pet reptiles to make them feel at home. Okay, let's talk pythons. Everybody, please help me welcome Billy Hunt of Uwabami Reptiles. Hello, hello. What's up? How you doing, Billy? Thank you very much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Oh, for sure. I'm very excited to do this. I'm excited to talk pythons. I'm excited to talk maybe rats, but mostly pythons. Um, uh, so, uh, talk about it all, man. We'll talk about it all. Uh, before we dive into like your collection and like everything you're keeping at the moment, I just want to say um, I like I, I did some like you know research, looking around for the episode, trying to find some things to talk about, and I finally stumbled onto your website. It is a very very impressive website. I love how you have so much detail in there on like the specific projects. The, the blog posts, uh, DOI enclosures, and, and all that different um, different stuff you have up there. So what was the inspiration behind making the website more than just a retail website? Uh, well, I wanted a website for a long time, and I kind of shied away from it because I didn't know how to make one. Um, <laughs> so it was actually uh, Smitty. He, you know, I asked him some questions, and he pointed me in the right direction, and I just took my time with it. It's taken some time to get there. Uh, I've kind of been lazy with it recently, you know, as everyone is. As everyone, um, yeah. But it's actually, it's really cool that someone's actually looking at the blogs and stuff like that. Uh, that was something that I wanted to do. It's kind of something that seems like people have gotten away from. Uh, yeah. When I first got in the hobby, you know, websites were, that's where you went, you know. So um, all that information that used to be there isn't there anymore. A lot of websites have gone to the wayside, so... I figured I'd at least put that information out there. And if I have projects that people want to know the background of, instead of me always doing a message to them and laying it all out, writing a novel, you know, I can just say, Hey, go to the website. It's all there. No, that's awesome. And we'll definitely get into some of those projects, but yeah, like you, like you mentioned, the way you kind of have it laid out is like you telling the story of your experience. So it's not just another care sheet on online. It's, it's more of, okay, this is exactly what works with me. And, and 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 all of that so that, that that's awesome um okay sweet so do you want to maybe i know it's probably quite a quite a list but do you want to maybe kind of run us down some of the like the cooler stuff you're currently keeping oh uh, the cooler uh, it's all cool man oh it's all cool yeah <laughs> no i know what you're saying though uh well obviously carpet pythons are a a big part of my collection uh, i'm comfortable saying probably 75 80 percent of what i have is morelia um, so I have most of the subspecies, you know, IJs, jungles, coastals, uh, brettles. See what else I got? Gotta look around. <laughs> yeah. uh, gotta count the pages. Yeah, right. Uh, green trees, uh, all that kind of stuff. Glasses. Nice. Uh, I'm getting big into those. Uh, Maclots specifically. Um, those are really cool. They used to be really popular, like in the '90s and stuff. They were yeah. imported a whole bunch, and yeah, you know, just like a lot of stuff. The you know with the morph craze of pretty much every species ended up having a morph. It uh, they just kind of went to the wayside. But 
I'm happy I got into them when I did, and they're just they're fun. They're little Spitfires, but uh, yeah, it keeps it keeps things interesting. That's awesome. And this, uh, those are the Mac plots you're still talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah, I got a handful of Macs, and then uh, I have one olive python right now that I'm trying to figure out. She likes birds, so I'm. <laughs> It's uh, it's fun always having to have birds for her. But, Trying to, fit, yeah. yeah. But uh, I think as far as pythons, that might be it. Uh, I mean, I could talk about the carpets for the whole rest of the episode. But did uh, that. I'm sure we will. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, besides that, the uh, I'm getting into Amazon tree boas again. I like arboreal stuff. Nice. Uh, and then just some old world rat stuff. Uh, it's kind of my my second passion Rats if you will yeah, the, yeah a lot of the old world stuff the beauties and radiateds and ganyos stuff like that all the fast biting cool. stuff all the fa- yeah <laughs> they're more fun more more of a challenge right yeah yeah it gets the heart pumping uh so all of those different all of those different projects you're working on um i know that there's obviously different locales and different areas where carpet pythons comes from but i like something like i'm, I'm just going to read a, a few of them out here like for example yeah. um the the striped coastals versus like another coastal or or um striped jungles versus like tiger something um are, are those okay. different locales or morphs or are these just line okay. breads yeah yeah, like yeah how, so how, it's, how do we break it's those a down? long it's kind of a long-winded thing so uh hang in there <laughs> yeah no yeah i'm, I'm ready uh, for this <laughs> so there's the different subspecies or at least for now uh, see how that goes, but uh, we'll s- stick with coastals for right now. Um, okay. So obviously, anyone that's in the carpets, they've heard of the Jason Balin tigers. You know, those are the ones that are the most popular. People have worked with them the most. Uh, basically, anything that isn't Balin blood comes from those animals that he got years ago from a breeder in Alaska, and you know, there's a whole backstory to it. Anything that isn't from that line, I'm not going to call a tiger. I'm going to call either there's a couple different lines that I recognize as far as striped coastals go. Uh, And then if they don't fit into those molds, then I'll just call it a striped coastal. If I don't have all the information, striped coastal. Uh, So I recognize the Balin tigers, the Petersons, and the Russians. And also the M pens, the Michael Pennell stripe stuff. Um, so so it all, all falls spe- into there. All the same species. Those are all going to be coastals. Coastals, okay. Yeah, those will all be coastals. Um, cool. And then when you get it, it, it's confusing because there's Darwin tigers. There's a line of IJs that are tigers. Right. Uh, there's no tigers that I know of in jungles. Uh, there's always striped jungles, but there's so many different lines of of jungles that are out there that you know that's a feat in itself trying to sort through all that stuff narrow it down yeah yeah but um i i'm trying to keep the lines you know not separated but like let's say i breed a because like i have russian balin stuff i'm sure you saw that picture on the site yes Uh, i know that those animals came from breeding a pure russian line tiger to a balin tiger so whenever I breed those together, I say I have a 50% Russian, 50% Balin, so everyone knows what they're getting. Uh, and right. when I've noticed there's different looks to the different lines. 
you know, as you selectively breed and all that. Uh, the Russian stuff does a lot of cool things to patterns and colors that you don't see in the Balin line. You don't see in the Peterson line. Uh, you don't see in the M-Pen line. Right. So that's why I think they're different. There's some people that say, hey, uh, a striped carpet's a striped carpet. And so there are people that are right. mixing all the lines together then. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, I'm probably going to mix them too, you know, but I'm going to label them as such. Yes. I'm not just going to breed a, a Balin to a, a Peterson and then say, oh, well, Balins are more popular or more marketable. So I'm just going to call it a tiger. Do so that. Is, yeah. You know, okay. call it what it is. And then, you know, you can't control what people do after they have the animal. But right. that's what I'm going to do. So, And how do you keep such good track of all the lines and the genetics and where they came from and how far back they go? Uh, well, I'm obsessed with this stuff. So yeah. <laughs> uh, I've been I've been in the carpet since uh, 06. Okay. So I've had a lot of time to really dig in and you know luckily i've met a lot of the people in person been able to you know pick their brains that way and the morelia community as a whole is very approachable very down to earth uh just about everybody will tell you anything that you want to know so yeah it's really just a matter of if you want to go get the information or not so luckily i've been able to put myself in a position where i could just shoot any breeder a, a message and They'll put it all out there for me. So that's yeah, that's awesome. And then okay, so you're doing oh, sorry. So you're doing um you're doing all these all these lines and you're focusing on all these projects. How do you like how do you avoid uh, problems from crossbreeding down the line? Uh well, I mean, they're still the same subspecies. It's not so much uh I mean if you breed the lines together, it's a uh, in a sense outcrossing. Okay. You know, so uh, the only one I'm concerned about eventually giving me problems is the Peterson stuff. Because uh, as far as I know, only me and Eric Burke have pure Peterson line stuff. Uh, other ones out there. Okay. Uh, yeah, they all. So that line came from uh, a breeder, Shay Peterson. Uh, back in the day, he had his own line that he got. He got a pair of striped coastals from Dan Maliri um, in the early 2000s and bred those until he got the look that I have now. And uh, he just ended up getting out of it. And I was fortunate enough to get a pair. I didn't realize how, you know, Rarely. big that would be. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't afford Balin Tigers at the time. So it's kind of <laughs> like the discount tiger for me, but little did I know that ended up being like the biggest project that I have, you know, in my mind, you know, they're, they're not super flashy or anything, but they're, you know, I really like the looks to them. Still, still a beautiful snake, yeah. Yeah, definitely. But I only have uh, four of them. Okay. So, and uh, I have the dad to a trio that I have. So everything's related. So eventually, you know, it's gonna gonna be a thing. But then, you know, you outcross, and I've tried to ask multiple people. Like, once you outcross and then come back, you know, like then you get your. 50% Peterson stuff, 75, 88, 93, you know, like all the percentages stuff, the nerdy stuff of it. Yeah. At what point do you call it a Peterson again? Nobody has a straight answer for me. And I, you know, I, that's why I want to put exactly what it is. So if oh, I outcross, yeah. you know, first generation will be 50% Peterson, whatever the other is. And then, you know, 75%, 88%. So the people know what they're getting line wise. Interesting. So you just keep going back until it's a higher percentage of Peterson. Yeah. 
And then when you outcross, are you looking for an animal that looks uh, relatively similar to a Peterson so that you're not going too far away from the line or? So I'm actually really fortunate and uh, I lucked into a lot of this stuff okay. <laughs> somehow. And uh, I actually have a 50% Peterson, 50% Balin that looks just like a, a Peterson more so than a Balin. And uh, that snake will eventually be used to outcross and I'll basically skip that first generation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, it's already at fifty percent. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll breed that to a hundred percent Peterson. I'll end up with seventy-five percent Petersons in that that clutch. So and it'll have Balin blood in it. So I'll definitely have great stripes in that too. And you know, that's the ultimate goal. I like it, the stripes though. So. More stripes, yeah. 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 All the stripes. All the stripes. <laughs> okay, that's sweet. <laughs> that's 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 awesome. Um okay, and then so so why don't we just run through some of the some of the projects then? Um, yeah. So you're working with the, with those ones on the coastal. What about um, so you have one for here, for example, the farm bred pop one. So you just basically get a bunch of fresh blood, and now like how does how does a project for a farm bred project work? So I got a group of ten farm bred IJs. Uh, I want to say six seven years ago now. Okay. Uh, and it was one of the bigger, it was the first big purchase I made. Like, hey, I'm going to get a group and then I'll pick which ones I want, sell the other ones, all that. Uh, you kept ended up keeping time. most of them for a while. <laughs> you know, I think I'm only down to a, a couple of them now. But uh, okay. basically, the farm bread stuff is the snake farmers in Indo and Malaysia and all that. Uh, they figured out with some species, especially the python species that can incubate their own eggs. Uh, if you catch these females at the right time of year, they'll be gravid, they'll lay for you, they'll incubate the eggs, then you can harvest the babies, you can release the female, and then they ship over a whole bunch of babies. I just ended up getting a, a group of those guys. So basically, they are fresh blood. Fresh blood, yeah. yeah. So uh, I bred a pair uh, two years ago together and kept a pair. So those are F1 animals. And they're going to be unrelated to anything else that's out there right now. Uh, so I could potentially, you know, selectively breed if I wanted to do my own line thing or something like that. I could, but, um, you know, IJs have so much potential and so many different color palettes and patterns. And, and there's uh, no, just, like, distinct lines yet? There's a couple. There's yeah, a couple there's definitely some. A lot more uh, old school stuff. So when the morph boom happened with carpets... Like right. when I got into it, it was granites, tigers, and jags. That's all that was out there uh, in red coastals. And then once, you know, Xanax hit, zebras, uh, caramels, hypos, you know, all that kind of stuff, everybody started focusing on those. And some of the stuff kind of went to the wayside. Uh, but luckily, some guys kept those lines going or, you know, kept those animals back. And uh, just look at how how much work they've done with jungles right like if you look at a wild jungle it, it looks, looks nothing like nothing, yeah. nothing like this guy yeah you know? yeah exactly doesn't yeah. look like that yeah. um and jungles only have you know they have the black yellow or cream gold or like nick's done great stuff with the ivory animals those are incredible uh but there's only those two three color palettes and they're mostly banded a lot of guys don't really focus on the stripes with jungles yeah 
IJs or pop wins, whatever, <laughs> whatever <laughs> camp you're in, uh, they've got like four or five, six different color palettes that you could go. They have every pattern imaginable. Uh, like I've seen some that are, they rival a trophy jungle any day. That's awesome. You know, you can get lavenders, you can get golds, you can get melanistic ones, uh, orange ones. It's, it's insane. So I'm really happy to be a part of, you know, the next wave that hopefully does, you know, some justice with those guys. Cause yeah. they're really good carpets. They got, you know, uh, you, earth tone stuff and they're, yeah. Did you be get cool. cool stuff from the, the pair you already paired up? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. did. They're, they're looking good. Um, so I bred a lavender ish female. So they fire up like, uh, you know, like how crusted geckos yeah, will, yeah, you know, yeah. fire up, fire down. Yeah. Um, a lot of stuff from that area of the world seems to do that. They'll fire up, fire down. Uh, IJs are no exception. Okay. So uh, late night, early morning, they'll look their absolute best. So like if I come in here at three in the morning and open a cage, I'll be like, man, that's <laughs> where that snake come from. Where's yeah. You know? Okay. So the female I use for that, she looks lavender, like almost purple when she's fired up and I bred a gold male to her. Cause that's just what I had. And uh, I just wanted some F1 animals to, to start with that. Yeah, and for sure. one of them is, I think the females going more towards the lavender side and then the males going more towards the gold side. So it's, it's cool to see that they're two different looks, you know, just the yeah. variability that Morelia has in general, you know, that's part of the fun too. Yeah. doing it. So what is the difference between a Jack Bondro and a Carp Bondro? So a Jagpondro is just a Carpondro that's expressing the Jaguar gene from okay. the carpet python. Okay. Uh, so yeah, that's it. It's just basically if you bred a, a Jag carpet to a regular carpet, half will come out as Jags, half will come out as normals. Okay. It's the same exact concept. It's just instead of a normal carpet, I bred it to a green tree. Green tree. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's, 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 it's awesome. So in, in it, you say... Um, uh, that you're you're planning to breed the babies back to green trees and see if they're fertile. Have you had a chance to do any of that yet? Not yet. Still growing. Uh, yeah. So so I produced those back in 2018. So okay. theoretically, they should be big enough to breed. A uh, little backstory on that whole <laughs> project. Okay. I bred green trees back in uh, 2016, my first season. I got lucky and produced green trees and did maternal incubation, all that. Got 17 babies. I was on top of the world. Nobody could tell me anything. Well, I still haven't, you know, had the trial and errors of starting babies yet. And uh, I couldn't get any of them to eat and they all ended up rolling on me. Okay. Uh, so I actually <laughs> kind of two years later, I was like, well, I don't want to do the green tree again. Cause that was, you know, really bad for my psyche. Yeah. So I was like, Oh, why don't I throw this carpet in there? And uh, the female that I use, she's really mean, the female green tree. Yeah. And uh, I had them in for like three days and I never saw them by each other at all. And it's like, all right, well, you know, I tried. Yeah, you know, I, I tried for a couple of days, waited a week and then threw them back in for like another three days. And they perched together, but nothing, you know, nothing solid. Well, like a month later, she sheds. And she's refusing yeah. food. And I'm like, okay, well, okay. see what happens. And next thing I know, three, four weeks later, she's on a clutch of eggs. 
That's like, awesome. Oh, all right. And it ended up working out. Anyway, I say that whole long story because did I you... couldn't get the oh go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, no, did you pull the eggs or did you leave them as uh like, oh I pulled them. Yeah, Absolutely, I pulled them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um so I, you know, the babies hatch. I'm in awe because I didn't think they were gonna hatch. And uh then I'm having flashbacks of these green tree babies not eating. I'm like, oh, it's gonna be the same thing. And I end up putting a fuzzy in front of one and it just destroyed it. And I was like, thank God. Amazing. Okay. And uh yeah, so I've always heard different things about them. The, that specific project, uh, either love it or hate it. And yeah. you'll hear a lot of the breeders that hate it. Those, they kind of say things that aren't substantiated, in my opinion. They'll say like, oh, they're all sterile. They're all this. But there's 75% Carpondros out there. There's, you know, a lot of hybrid stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, but they kind of portray it as a dead-end project. I think there's a more... Uh, compatibility issue to it you know you have to get two animals that are compatible obviously to do that yeah Uh, but that's why i want to raise these up and breed them together and kind of do my own trial breedings with them you know so i don't want to just give my hypothesis of it i want to you know actually say hey here's what i think and here's why because here's all the data from the breedings i've done yeah Uh, but i raised them like green trees i was kind of dainty with how i was feeding them because i you know, if you overfeed green trees, you have issues and prolapses and stuff. Yeah. Well, these things act like carpets. So they needed more eating. Yeah. So they're a little, you know, the male is, he's good to go, but you know, the females probably have another year or so to okay. put some weight on and then off to it. I, uh, I put a rule on myself. So I don't want anything more than 50% carpet blood. So, because okay. the whole point of a hybrid project in my mind is, to have a animal that you can definitely tell is different from, yeah. you know, the mother or father species. And once you get, you know, when you breed a Carpondro back to a carpet, they look like gamma jags, you know, like they kind of have that look to them or they look like yeah. a bright carpet. Yeah. Um, so you're like, kinda, there's, there's no point. Well, I mean, I'm not going to say there's no point. Cause there's guys doing some cool stuff, breeding them back to, uh, what was it? Adam Hulander. Uh, he just produced, I think, Gamma Carpondro. So he bred a Carpondro to a Gamma Jag. Okay. And those babies are looking awesome. You know, uh, that's awesome. Good for him. I personally, I want to go more the green tree route. Yeah. Because uh, the higher percentage green tree stuff, that's when you start getting blue animals. And they just look real funky. And then adding the Jag gene into that. Uh, that's just my preference. I'm not, you know, if anyone else doing the project. You know goes the other way that's fine too no yeah that uh, makes sense but yeah i'm really excited to see where it goes i would like to add some more carpet mutations into it uh, at some point so you have more patterning in there yeah you know do like maybe a zebra or a, a granite or a caramel or something like that you know like yeah. possibilities are endless there's a lot of untapped uh, potential with that and the fact that it's a hybrid project it's harder to get the animals to breed because of the compatibility you know issue that's something that i think uh, you know it's not something that anyone can just crank out in a season you know, like i've tried producing more every season since 2018 and, and you haven't been able to i haven't <laughs> so wow okay uh you know it's not just you put them together and they produce you know like carpets or green trees would do so it's a more challenging one too so that's the fun part as well 
do you think it's compatibility to do with um, like the individual animals? So like just that individual is going to work out with or more of like, uh, yeah, like a genetic compatibility? I, I think it's more of an individual thing because you'll hear that in uh, even animals that are the same species, you know, uh, yeah. you hear that with white lips and Leaches ring pythons too. and stuff like that. Yeah. Scrubs, you know, those kind of things. What I don't think it's way out of the realm to say that's happening here with trying to breed two different species. Two different together. species. Yeah. So. No, that, yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. That's yeah. that's awesome. Well, good luck with that. I I'm looking forward to see. Hopefully, hopefully it, it works out. Cause yeah, appreciate it, man. I hope so too. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Uh, awesome. Okay, and then um, well, well, maybe let's yeah. Maybe before we go into the macros, because I I don't absolutely nothing about macros. So maybe let's talk about green trees for a second. Um, okay. Any cool projects on that side? So at the moment, uh, I only have five green trees. Uh, I have two that I really don't know the background. I know what they were sold to me as, but you don't believe it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, there's not an ugly green tree. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, they're all pretty awesome. That's true. Yeah. Uh, but besides those two, I have a pair of Lyrae locales, uh, which I believe the female is the one that's pictured there. She's got a lot of blue on her. On, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. That is a yeah, beautiful snake. Yeah, she actually uh, just laid a clutch for me. So I'm hoping those babies go the distance. Uh, that one's for Billy. <laughs> that, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, those are staying. Okay, uh, yeah. But yeah, I have those. Then I have a female Sorong that's that's really nice that I'm raising up. Uh, I would like to get in an ideal world, you know, obviously with more with unlimited space and money and all that. Uh, I would like to get, uh, you know, little groups of all the different locales and produce just locale animals you know like right, yeah uh you know, i have a group of arus or sorongs lares biaks uh manaquaris you know all that stuff yeah but then also breed them together and uh i mean that's how all the high-end designer stuff was made it seems like nobody's really taken the ball and ran with it they just kind of stick with what was made you know decades ago and try to build on that Okay. Uh, but we still with stuff getting imported still we have prime opportunity to you know make Create our own some stuff. New stuff yeah you know and you could i mean yeah it's going to take a while but i plan on being in the hobby as long as possible you know and yeah. i don't see any time in the you know foreseeable future that i won't be doing this so if i get into something that's going to take me 20 years i'm going to be you know Cleaning Very tubs happy in 20 years. Doing that. Yeah, you know, I'm still going to be cleaning tubs and throwing rats at snakes. You know, why not, you know, do something cool with it too? So that's yeah. my thought on it. But. No, 100%. Are you aiming for more of the blues? The 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 way that the blues are on this female, maybe I'll, 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 maybe I'll just share the screen actually because that's probably the easier way to do it. But um, it's almost like, where did it do? There we go. It's almost like a lion. Mm -hmm. Like it's going like their exact pattern. So is that, is that kind of trying to get more blues on them, more of a pattern kind of base snake? Um, well, do you have an end goal or you just kind of see what, what comes out of them? Uh, at this point, since it's the first time that I'm breeding them together, uh, I don't have, I mean, obviously I would love to produce more like her or with more blue, uh, but it, 
I'm just going to be happy with whatever. I kind of want to see what I produce and see how they turn out. And then I'll kind of go from there. Uh, yeah. yeah. And then that'll be my group of Lyrae's that I could, you know, hone in on and I can get that look figured out. So I can get consistently that look or more blue. I mean, you can't beat that. No, you cannot. <laughs> Especially with no, a I pure agree. locale animal, you know, that's, yeah, that's, that's hard a, to beat. That's a beautiful snake. Are they, are they this blue in, in the wild? Yeah, so uh, yeah. that animal was actually, that was a Bushmaster animal. Okay. And when I got, that picture was a couple weeks after I got her. So that's how she came in, was okay. like that. So. That's, that but, is awesome. Yeah, just more of the Morelia variability, you know, thing. They're just, they're such variable animals from carpets to green trees to um, even brettles. You know, they're, they're a lot more variable than people realize once you start really looking into them yeah awesome are you you don't have a brettles uh you don't have a brettles post up there are you working on any brettles projects or i am so i am really good friends with casey cannon and uh you know the i call him the the brettle guy of the east <laughs> you know yeah. or southeast and uh so i've been able to get some stuff from him i actually have six I have six brittles. Uh, actually, I have one that's it could be laying any day right now. So, awesome. hopefully crossed. that goes. Yeah. yeah, it's a hypo to a hypo stone wash. So, okay, we'll see. See what happens. I see. Yeah, I might. I need to look up a picture of that. <laughs> yeah, I haven't put. There's a lot of stuff I haven't put on the site yet. Um, so I was uh, I was out for a little bit and I had a lot of time on my hands. And that was when I was able to crank out a lot of the website stuff. And since then, I've been busy and I need oh, to no, yeah, get yeah, back yeah. on it. Yeah. Oh, no, so I just meant an actual, like a picture of the actual snake that you just mentioned, like just a general one. But oh, God. I, yeah, I don't have any rolls on there. No. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So the Maclots, I have never really looked into them. I don't know like much about them. So. How are they in like how are they temperament wise and like or maybe maybe let's go care wise compared to um like carpets? So I keep my max exactly like my carpets. I don't do anything different. Uh, there's some guys that have had uh, problems with breeding them because I think they try to do a little too much uh, in terms of like kinda, over babying them. Yeah, you know, like they try to hone in different things too much. Like guys that, uh, there's some guys that when they get into green trees, you know, they think green trees are very delicate and, you know, yes. you have to have it to the nearest tenth of a degree and the humidity has to be exact 100% of the time. And they, the snakes will survive, obviously, because they're, I mean, these animals are pretty hardy for the most part, but. You know, as far as trying to produce and all that, you'll have issues because there has to be natural fluctuations and stuff. Like I, mm -hmm. I bred these green trees uh, this year and I have them in my snake room at ambient. I don't run heat on them or anything because uh, okay. I think we keep a lot of our stuff a little too warm as a hobby, you know, whole. And that idea is starting to, you know, get out there more and more and people are starting to keep stuff a little cooler and even hot spots cooler and stuff. We're understanding microclimates more and all okay. that. Um, so I was able to apply that to the Maclots as well. 
and I've produced, uh, well, I, I produced them last year and then I had a clutch this year, but the, the babies ended up dying in the egg. I don't know what happened. I had a bad breeding year this year. Yeah. Um, I, it's I know a few people it. actually, I also had a bad breeding year and I know a few people who did as well. So I think maybe it's just, this, it's, it's a yeah, bad it's year. One <laughs> it's yeah. one of those things, man. It's the ups and downs. That's, uh, that's what keeps the, you know, the fly by night guys to the, you know, the guys that are going to stick around for a while. You know, you got to take the good with the bad. Yeah. You know, that's what it is. Definitely. But uh, yeah. So anyway, I keep the max the same way as the carpets. Uh, I don't do anything special. Um, as far as temperaments, uh, as babies, they're extremely defensive, uh, like ridiculously defensive. Okay. Like um, more than like carpets and, and, uh, yes. Oh yeah. Pondros? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Absolutely. Um, awesome. it's usually about for the first year and a half, about till they hit four foot, honestly. And then, you know, of course, if you work with them, you know, that'll help too. But it seems like the switch turns off, you know, the same with carpets, carpets, once they hit about yearling size, if they're defensive, they'll, once they get big enough to think, okay, everything can't eat me. They calm down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it seems like it just takes the max a little bit longer to get that confidence. But then once they do, they're, I mean, they're super easy going as long as there's not food around. They're very food oriented. Uh, Lyasses, like as a genus, are like that. They, uh, when you feed them, they'll grab the rat and they'll put four or five wraps around like a king snake will. Okay. Like they're, they're all about it. You know, the yeah. more food you can give them, the better. The better. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, outside of stripes, I really like uh, pixelated random patterns. So okay. uh, they kind of have a granite carpet look to them. Uh, so that was kind of what drew me to them. And then I have a handful and they're all different. The variability in those guys too. And the iridescence and, and the color on them uh, too, the almost the, yeah. like the olive. Yeah. 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 So you'll have some that are, that have that olive cover color. They'll be kind of lighter with darker freckles. Uh, Freckled pythons are another name for them that they've been called. Uh, then you'll have some that are dark with the olive freckles on it. You know, like pretty much the, the mirror image of what it is. Yeah. That is very cool. Uh, yeah. So there's a lot of, I don't I see everything from a carpet mindset. So I think everything has the potential for selective breeding. And, you know, I see that without seeing different, you know, I'm not like, oh, it's a new morph. I'm like, oh, no, I can selectively breed and, uh, you know, eventually get to that point where I'm, you know, that line of animals will be that look that I like. Um, so and you think it is possible thing. with them? Yeah, absolutely. I think selective breeding is possible with everything. Uh, I mean, look at, basically look at any line of animal that, you know, is out there, whether it be a python, colubrid, boa, gecko, monitor, whatever. It usually starts with one animal that looked that way. And then they bred it to, if they were lucky enough to have two that look the same, breed those. Bred Most of the time, yeah. you have one. You breed it to a, you know, a regular one. And then you just keep holding back the ones that you like. And that's selective breeding. You yeah. know, you just keep recycling that thing until you get what you want. Uh, like, look at uh, a lot of the North American colubrid stuff. Uh, cow kings come to mind pyros yeah. come to mind mm -hmm. uh that's all selective breeding stuff that's not they found a new morph you know that's they just took the time to produce these animals to get the look that they want so it's just putting in the time 
you know, and it takes longer with pythons and everybody doesn't want a python that's going to bite you for the first year and a half, two years. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I get that. I get that. But it's part of the fun. Yeah, that's, yeah, we'll go with that. We'll go, yeah. Uh, that That's awesome. Okay. And then, um, so maybe like moving a little bit away from the snakes for a second to, um, you have another post on there about the diet. Um, and and so in this, also a very interesting blog post, by the way, um, any, you, you mentioned that like some alternatives to using rats and mice, but then you Mm -hmm. also mentioned that nothing beats feeding a whole prey item. Yeah. So why do you think variety is important? And then also, why do you think that, um, like nothing beats feeding the whole prey item? So, um, obviously I'll do the easy one first. Uh, obviously (laughs) a whole, a whole prey item is going to have everything that the animal is going to need. You're going to have your skeletal system. You're going to have all your different organs and you have the blood and just everything that all those elements are comprised of all goes into being that complete meal, you know? Uh, so you just, you're not going to beat that with pieces of, of anything, uh, so like that's why I start my babies on uh, fuzzy or hopper mice instead of rats. Uh, I personally don't care if I have a mouser. They're eating. I'm happy. Anything. You know? yeah, yeah. yeah. So if uh, if an animal is you know a hatchling and I'm giving it a hopper mouse, in my mind, that hopper mouse is probably what almost two three weeks old. So it's already starting to mature its skeletal system. Its organs are starting to get comprised of everything as opposed to that pinky, you know, pinky rat or pinky mouse or whatever, that's basically all cartilage and there's not much going on there. It's very, you know, all everything and all its internal stuff is all brand new. It hasn't really matured yet. Um, so I think in that uh, post too, it's, I put how you have the day old chicks Yes. But then I put it next to a week old quail. Now it's the same size, but I prefer the quail for that same reason. They have that week or so of maturing everything, getting more food in them. You know, it's not just straight out of the egg and, you know, they can't even walk yet like a day old chick would be. It's almost like uh, gut loading. Exactly. Yeah, same, okay. same exact idea. Interesting. Um, so then I guess the harder question yes. <laughs> is, uh, so I've always had this uh, fascination with, like, we can feed more than European lab mice and rodents, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, and when you start, like, I'm a info nerd, so I read a lot of natural history stuff. And uh, uh, even earlier today, I was looking up uh, the British Herpetological Journal, you know, and they just, they have uh, journals that they put out every quarter that, you know, these... Uh, biologists and stuff that go out and do field research and you can get so much information from that. Can anybody get their hands on that? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Reach out to me afterwards. I'll send uh, you links and be, stuff. And yeah. I got you. That, that's sweet. Okay. Sweet. Thank you. Yeah. yeah no, I got you. Uh, so you'll see they'll have, you know, depending on what the, the study is, um, when you start going into feeding stuff, you'll see that these animals are eating tons of different, items now yeah there's going to be certain things that they eat more towards you know depending on what stage of life they're in uh, right most baby snakes they're not eating baby rodents they're going to be eating you know frogs birds uh, eggs lizards. yeah 
a lot of different things. Uh, so especially with all the different things we have at our disposal now, there's no reason not to, you know, like you can, like I get all my quail and stuff from rodent pro. It's just easier that way. Um, and as far as the like incomplete stuff, um, you know, like I get frog legs from the Asian market. Uh, I'll get chicken necks, uh, turkey necks. Um, what else did I have? Chicken hearts. Uh, actually, I like the chicken hearts a lot because what I'll do, especially with baby colubrids, they can only eat uh, mouse pinks, right? Yeah. Just because of size. Well, if you follow that with, uh, you take a chicken heart and you cut cut it to where it's the right size, you know, like a strip or something, they're yeah. getting that pinky mouse, but then you give them that, it's just a big hunk of meat. They're getting a straight, you know, protein hit with that too. That, that's my, con, you know, my mindset on it. So they're getting more out of that meal than just that little, you know, tub of goo that a pinky is. You're giving to them after each other? You can, or I'll, you know, I'll feed uh, a pinky and then a couple of days later do you that. I'll switch that. it up. There's no, yeah. you know, I don't have a set schedule for anything. Right. Uh, which, you know, in the wild, they don't either. That's so, a, yeah, you know, I also they don't mind. Don't a schedule. You're right. Yeah, yeah. They're not like, hey, man, what are yeah. we doing? <laughs> it's, it's like a dog. You got to eat them at 4 p.m. every day. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, yeah. we don't. I don't get barked at like I do yeah. from the pups. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, so as far as the, like, the different stuff that I'll feed. I'm only doing that a handful of times a year. I'm not like, you know, I feed primarily rodents and birds, but okay. every now and then I'll switch things up and throw a, you know, a, a chicken neck in there or a frog leg or something like that. I do it more with the colubrids, honestly, just because their metabolisms are so much faster. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's also, uh, also a little more cost effective you know if i'm be completely honest it's not you know the reality of keeping animals is you know a financial burden to it too yeah. uh you know in any way you can stretch you know the feed bill especially with how things have jumped up in the last year you know it's always going to yeah, help yeah. so yeah yeah so you, do you do it like uh uh in the i did an episode with justin he mentioned frog legs and he gets them he puts mm -hmm. the bag in the freezer and he just pulls them out one by one do the same kind of thing you yeah. get a bunch of them okay Yep. And you think it's nutritionally beneficial or is it just kind of like enrichment? I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, because you got to think a, a frog leg is going to be composed of different nutrients than a mouse will be or a bird will be, you know? So I look at it like, I mean, we can't compare ourselves completely to them, For but sure. at the very basic, you know, level, we're all organisms, right? Yeah. Yeah. If we just ate the same thing over and over and over, we're not going to get, you know, we can get, we benefit from eating variety. So that's my idea for doing that to give them something else. And it's also enrichment too, because they got to figure out how to eat this new shape thing new and shape. different yeah. smell and all that. And it just, to me, it seems like a win-win. Uh, obviously guys have fed mice and rats solely for decades and yeah. everything's been fine. So it's not an end-all be-all. It's just another option that, you know, I've decided to take advantage of. Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely interesting. And do you find different, um, I think you mentioned this actually, do you find a different reaction to different smells or different prey items? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. big yeah. time. Uh, colubrids love chicken stuff. 
Okay. Um, like poultry and all that. Okay. Uh, Carpets usually do too, but I'll have some carpets that absolutely will not touch any of it. They just want rats. Just uh, even a whole bird they won't touch. I'm like, oh. Interesting. what's with all these pictures of you guys eating parrots in yeah. Australia? You know, like, yeah. come on. Seriously. But uh, I had a uh, I had a pair of adult Japanese rats uh, years yeah. ago, and whenever I'd feed them, you know, I'd they would just they'd be there once they realized the food was there. You know, they'd eat or Come whatever. On. If yeah. I was thawing out chicken necks, chicken hearts, sometimes I did chicken wings. Uh, I'd open the and a beer? tub. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, beer for me. Yeah. Beer for you. Beer yeah. for me, wings for them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I would open the tub and they would smell it before I'd open it. And holy crap, just like you were saying, they would fly out and they were just all about I couldn't give them enough. Yeah. Uh, so... I thought that was interesting. You know, it's like, okay, well maybe they're more, you know, bird eaters in the wild and stuff. But, uh, especially with that species, you know, there's not too much out there on them. So yeah, you know, maybe they are diet. primarily nest raiders and stuff. Well, they're rat snakes. They're going to eat everything. They're going to eat. Yeah. yeah. But Cobra's I did notice the different. Yeah. I did notice a, a heavier response with that kind of stuff as opposed to the normal stuff. I gave. That's very interesting. Awesome. And then, okay. So, so maybe on the on the topic of of the rats, how different is it? To find, I've never kept cluberts. I have a I have a carpet, but I've never kept cluberts. How different is it? Um, I've heard that with the feeding response, they're usually generally a lot better. Is there anything else that you find that's very different between keeping the two? Uh, like the cluberts versus pythons. Yeah, the uh, their metabolisms. Yeah, a lot a lot faster. Uh, an issue that I personally have, and I've talked about this before. Uh, I have a Python mindset. <laughs> so yeah. as far as like feeding and stuff, so where people would get stuff up to breeding size in two to three years, I take five years because I just don't, I don't hit them with as much food as, you know, a colubrid guy would. Right. right. Uh, but, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing either. Uh, Cause that, you know, maybe we do raise our stuff too, too fast. Quick. You know, like maybe once a week or twice a week is, I don't know. That's a, that's a discussion that's for a debate you know, in itself. Yeah. yeah that's a whole debate. Sure. But, yeah. Um, I, I'll just say I, I raise them slow. They seem to do well. They have good body tone and um, I just have to clean them more. Yeah. I like so many different species. It's, it's crazy. So, you know, I just, I have, yeah, I have a whole bunch, so I have a lot of different ones to you know pick from and see how they react and all the different nuances within the species and even subspecies, you know, because yeah, I have four subspecies of beauty snakes, okay. and uh, you can definitely tell a difference between the the four. You know, they're not the same. Is um, is is the like is it not not visually obviously, but like they're they're the yeah. Vietnamese, the Japanese. Yeah. So the, as far as the beauties. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, like as far as how they uh, like behavior and feed response and, you know, handling them uh, like I have Chinese beauties. They're very uh, they're very shy. Yeah. And, and when I get them out, they just want to go hide. They're not going to stand their ground. You know, unless I corner them, they're not going to stand their ground. They're just, hey, I just want to not be here right now. Let me just yeah. go to this corner. You know, yeah. uh, the Ridley eye. They are 
all about that life. They, they will take right. shots. They're, you know, right. Hey, it's, you're in my space. We're not doing this. And that's a, uh, the same species. No. So they're all Orthriopus, but then they're different subspecies. So okay, yeah. think of, think of Ridley eye, blue beauties, Taiwans and Chinese, the same as you would think of coastals, jungles, IJs, dark. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay, all Morelia, sense. but okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. So makes uh, sense. Okay. Yeah. They're fun. I've always they're liked too. beauties. So uh, the fact that I'm at a point where I, you know, I can have the ones I've wanted forever and, you know, mess with them. And which ones are the ones you wanted forever? Uh, honestly, <laughs> gosh, I wanted all of them. <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely a, a collector. I definitely yeah. have that mentality. I don't know if that's good or bad. I think, but, I think uh, most, most of us in the reptile hobby have that sort of. Yeah. Like, Eric Kohler, actually, he made that comment one time when I met him and uh, he was like, first and foremost, I'm a collector first and yeah. a breeder second. Breeder second yeah. And I didn't exactly get what he meant when he said it. But after I thought about it for a couple of days, I was like, I see what he did. You're, there. you're, you're right. I yeah. About, yeah. And I thought about my collection. I'm like, oh, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I guess I I'm a collector. collector. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So that's awesome. Um, I'd probably say the. I really like the calico Chinese beauties. Okay. Those are probably the ones that I was the most happy about getting. Uh, Cause I just really like how that mutation or that's the only uh, beauty I have. That's a, a morph of any sort. Okay. Uh, you know, the wild types are awesome. Cause you have like three different patterns on one snake. So you almost have, you know, a different look every part you look at the snake. Uh, but the, the calico gene it's a color and pattern mutation, and it just completely obliterates <laughs> everything, everything. Yeah, on it. That's, uh, that's awesome. They're just, yeah, it's they're really cool. Uh, unfortunately, I had infertiles from them this year, but uh, hopefully next year I can figure them out. Yeah, better, better breeding yeah. year next year. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I got Ridley eggs this year, and they're due okay, to hatch nice. it at any point, so it's not a total loss. Oh, there we go. Okay, nice. Yeah. How how do you how do you combat like the whole arboreal thing in in your setup? Like how do you how do you have your carpets set up? Uh, I have them set up all different ways. Uh, okay. You know, obviously raising them up, I keep them in racks and stuff. Uh, some of the smaller stuff I have in racks, uh, and then I have some four foot cages with you know perches and all that. Uh, just kind of do a little bit of everything. And do you feel like they eventually they, get too big to be in a rack? They can. Uh, so you can, you can kind of, how do I say this? I've said, I've explained this at shows and then people are like, oh, you don't feed your stuff, yeah. uh, <laughs> but you can slow to a down point, their size. Yeah, you can control right. to a point how big they get. Uh, like, I don't think I have a coastal over seven and a half, eight feet. Okay. Uh, but, you know, there's records of them getting 14 feet. You know, but right. there's a difference between max size and mature adult size. Yeah, or you know, like, or, uh, or unhealthy size even, and like exactly. Yeah. yeah, like I always say, uh, retics can get thirty feet, but yeah. they'll breed at you know twelve to fourteen feet. Doesn't mean that they have to get that big. So what I go more with with my carpets is uh, age, and then uh, they get a mature Morelia head. Like I'm sure yours is yours still has that juvenile skinny head. Right? Yes, it does. Yeah, and then I see the other ones, and you can see yeah, 
I know exactly. Yeah, so yeah. give him another uh, year or two. You know, yeah. feed you know feed him good. Don't be scared to push him a little bit with food. Sometimes yeah. the the bigger prey items will help that you know that mature head fill out too. Okay. Um, yeah, you'll see the difference. You'll look in one day and you're like, oh, oh, that, you've okay. grown up. Now <laughs> I see it. Yeah, you're a man now. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like the the heavy triangle, more of a. Yeah. Yeah. No. That was. That was one of the first characteristics that drew me to carpets mm. uh, was that mature head to the skinny neck, you know, the arboreal look. Look, yeah, no, for sure. Head. Yeah. So I, you'll be surprised how small they can be and be mature and have viable clutches. And, you know, like I have animals that are five, six years old that are barely on mediums. Okay. You know, like they don't have to be monsters. You know, yeah. that's it's the same thing. Like if, if we, you know, as humans, if we eat a whole bunch and do all that, it just shortens our lifespan. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I try to apply that with these guys too. And it's been working so far, you know, I guess ask me in another 10 years, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. But, you know, so, so do you just sort of lessen their frequency of feeding? Yeah. It, I mean, it honestly depends on what their role is in the program. Yeah. Uh, obviously, <laughs> male. Good way to put it. Yeah, you know that, that sounded good. Sounded good. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, my males I'll keep, you know, fairly small because they don't have to be that big to to breed. And with the amount I have, it you know it makes sense to not have monster males. You know, I have a couple, and they're I bought them big. I didn't realize how big they were, but like I have a a Balin tiger male that he could eat XL rats. You know, wow. honestly, I. I think he's a lazy breeder. I tried to breed him this past year and he was just more interested in eating than, than anything. Because, because he's so big. Because he's so big. So he yeah, has definitely sense. been on a diet. So he's slimmed down since I got okay. him. But, uh, nice. you know, that, so, and of course my females that I want to, you know, get in the breeding program, I'll, you know, hit them a little heavier, but like I said, I don't have a schedule. So, you know, I'll go for adults. I'll go every two weeks three weeks sometimes four weeks yeah uh but then as it gets closer to the breeding season when there's females that i definitely want to try to pair i'm gonna hit them at least once a week to uh just get more calories in them get more fat on them because i don't really feed during the breeding season uh, and just to help get them through and if they produce eggs i mean that takes a lot out of them so I want them to have as much opportunity to you know, bounce back as quickly as possible as I can. So. Why don't you feed during breeding season? Uh, Is so that like a common thing with snakes? Everybody does it differently. Okay. Uh, I I can't say I don't completely feed. I'll If I do, I might feed two or three times during the whole season. Okay. You know, maybe. Uh, but usually... You know, it's if I think about it, I'm like, oh, okay, well, let me put them, you know, take them apart, put food in front of them, see what happens. Some guys will pair them for a couple of days, take them apart, feed them. They'll feed them every week during the whole okay, breeding. Like normally, yeah. Yeah. There's so many different ways to do it. There's the, you know, I've bought into the rhythm of the room idea. Okay. Uh, so, you know, the stuff I raise up in my room and they get the cycles and uh, all that, they just, they kind of get with the program once they get to breeding size. Okay. Uh, so all I do in here, I, I don't have a climate controlled room or anything. It's just a room in my house. So 
my breeding season starts when it starts getting cooler out here, which I'm sure here in Florida is, you know, you're probably laughing at the how <laughs> cold cooler. it gets yeah, here. Yeah. Yeah. But Do you have to turn heaters much. on? No, no, no. <laughs> no. I, uh, I just cracked the window in this room. Oh, okay. It doesn't take much. Uh, 10 degrees, maybe. IJs, you don't even have to cool down and just that season you know the barometric pressure and you know the changes and all that just throw them together and they'll start breeding uh, they're breeding so, when it's cooler or when like after you're done cooling them uh the i have besides the brittles i have all winter breeders so it's while it's cooler uh Very so yeah so it gets so i i'll pretty much feed them like from this time all the way till about october or so and that's when it starts cooling here yeah. <laughs> and uh then I'll start putting them together and as it gets cooler in the room and, you know, storm systems come through and pressures change and all the triggers that they need, uh, they just start doing their thing and then they're focused on that. And that's uh, right. usually, usually I have a lot of eggs by now. So like last year <laughs> I killed it. And okay. you know, so I think that's what, that's what happens. You have your good year and bad year. So, so you, you, you cool them and then like how long, okay. So maybe, maybe we'll run through that. So like, you're pairing them like after they cool and like after October. Mm -hmm. And then when are you separating and when do you start seeing eggs? And then how long do the eggs take to hatch? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Good question. Yeah. Uh, so I'll keep them together. Uh, obviously, I'll, you know, I'll see locks. I'll log those. Um, and you'll you'll usually see an ovulation. Once I see an ovulation, they'll stop showing interest. And sometimes I'll keep the, they'll stop showing interest in everything and breeding yeah. and be, like, cause they'll cuddle a lot. Okay. Uh, they'll stop doing that. They won't want food. Um, so if I see an ovulation, I'll take the male out. A lot of times I don't see the ovulation. Then uh, I'll keep the male in until, you know, a prelay shed or something like that. Okay. Um, yeah, but usually you can tell after they ovulate, the weeks after that, like their bodies get this look to them that's like, oh, they're gravid. You know, you can palpate. I try not to palpate. Just one, I'm not good at it. Two, they're already super uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, like after you've done this a few seasons, you can just kind of look at them and tell, you know, like, okay, you're gravid. Yeah, I'll you see how many them. eggs they lay when, when they lay them. You know, I don't need to count the eggs before they... <laughs> you know they land i'm not that excited do, but, yeah like some <laughs> some guys do that's awesome i i can wait the extra couple weeks and you know see the the white gold if you will <laughs> so yeah it comes yeah. out so really is white gold oh yeah awesome okay so and, and that usually takes like a couple of months yeah the incubation is usually about uh two months or so give or take that yeah. i've had most of my clutches have been between 56 and 62 days and what temperature at, uh, do you keep them at? Yeah. I try to stay between uh, 87 and 88. Awesome. Have you ever considered um, temperature sex determination and whether it affects them? Or I don't know uh, if there's already known information out there. Not not for pythons that not I know of. Us. Okay. Uh, if there is, I've been very male heavy on a lot of my clutches. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe there's something maybe. in that. Okay. Yeah. But not that I've heard of. Not on on the python stuff okay yeah it's interesting on on the cooling thing i i do sort of the opposite so when when it's 
summer here are i have the ac running and everything so right now everyone's cooling because i can get the house to the temperatures that i need to cool and then uh, in winter you. the heater is on so i can never get it cold enough so that's when that's when i start preparing everyone and breeding uh so it's like sort of the opposite yeah so do you uh do you have to work for humidity a lot with your stuff especially I, I, when the heater's on and stuff pretty much yeah so i i like especially with the species i'm keeping a lot of them like dart frogs like a lot of them are tropical and like high humidity stuff i have the misking running like almost double um when the heater is on than when it's not see that's something that i uh i take for granted <laughs> the humidity yeah, yeah yeah i i hardly like spray anything i hard like that's i just crazy. don't have to because our ambient humidity is you know we're usually <laughs> we're usually there so. Yeah, it's like sitting around like seventy, or is that too high? Uh, no, that's more than than what we're usually close to. Probably sways between forty and sixty. 60? Okay, yeah, yeah like in think, the room and stuff. Yeah, I think it sits around twenty to thirty here in winter, something like that. Yeah, so you got to work for it. You got yeah, it goes up in summer, but yeah, in winter you you definitely do. Yeah, but but I think that's a a reason too why. I'm able to keep green trees, like I said I do, just ambient, no heat, anything like that, because all of the other elements of their care is pretty much perfect here, right. know, for the most part, to where, uh, you know, if I was up north or something like that, I would have to put a lot more thought into my setups and how yeah. I'm keeping them and all that. So uh, that's another thing to take into consideration with, you know, species that you get that, uh, like, I, I do more tropical stuff. Cause like the brettles, the brettles are spring breeders. So they have to cool brumate, you know, if you will. And then they breed once it warms up, Okay. which is the opposite of what I do. I've always had the issue of not being able to get stuff cold enough. Right. Yeah. You know? So, cause I don't have a dedicated space or a wine cooler or anything like that. Um, so here I'm set up for more tropical stuff. So that's why, like, especially my colubrids and all that, I've gotten tropical colubrids that don't need to be cooled. And now they're getting up to size and I'm not having any issues getting eggs because, you know, I don't have to cool them. But the temperate stuff, you know, that's why I haven't produced Chinese beauties yet because I haven't been able to get them cold enough. So. And when you, when you open your window it's just, <laughs> uh, for like for winter, uh, as you mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. it's not cold enough for the brittles or the beauties. Well, it doesn't cool enough it it does for the night but even during the day like it's the temperature will go down and then it goes up yeah. in the day it goes down and it doesn't stay down like it needs to and they have to um, fully brumate to be able to breathe i guess that's what i that's pretty much the only thing i haven't tried okay <laughs> so, yeah but this yeah. year i was actually able to get the infertile eggs from the chinese beauties and that was a big win for me because right. uh i've had those things for eight years now and uh, I to finally get something. And I'm like, okay, I'm on the right track. I'm yeah. figuring out how to get them to work in my setup. You yeah. Know, so now I just gotta have, yeah, the, uh, like yeah, it's like ba baby steps, right? Every every piece yeah, of the puzzle exactly. is coming together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because last year cool. I had uh, infertiles from the Ridley Eye, and I was like, okay, I think I some things I could have did better. I did that this year, and I got a fertile clutch. That's so that's awesome. Know, so yeah, yeah. Very, Always very, learning, man. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's exactly that's it's very true. Um, uh, so, like on the on the the whole um, 
cruelly and 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 breeding side um the the so is that, is that one of the reasons you're not as focused on the brittles or you're not getting as as lucky with them then or you're saying right? i have always shied away from them for that reason for that reason so you're uh, just not trying really yeah yes and no um but i did try this year and okay. i said i i have that female that's uh i think she's gonna drop any day i'm hoping they're fertile right you say um, so i we'll see it's kind of still a work in progress but if i get if i get fertile eggs from that and i figure out like my room here is upstairs so i keep okay. the cooler stuff downstairs yeah and uh it was just cooler during the winter down there than it was up here naturally and uh if <laughs> if this brittle clutch works out that's going to kind of open the door for a lot of stuff i've always talked myself out of because of that reason yeah so, you figured it out we'll say that yeah hopefully 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 <laughs> yeah uh have you ever considered keeping anything outside where you're at um uh, yeah. yeah yeah i have uh too much work if i was i'd say it's too much work i not any of the stuff i have already I mean, I wouldn't mind, like, I thought about making, like, an outdoor cage and, like, something for enrichment, and I could take a couple carpets out and Put basically them let them out in the jungle, get some UV, all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, but if I was going to do it completely, I was a lizard guy before I was a snake guy. Okay. And I really like semi-arboreal, semi-aquatic agamas. So okay. your water dragons, basilisk, uh, sailfin dragons are my favorite. Those things okay. are... Yes. There's not a there's not an ugly one. Those things are just prehistoric I, looking dinosaurs. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So that's, I hope that's one day I can. Again. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's all right. you're that's, all right. I, I, yeah, the water, the water, uh, water, semi aquatic, semi arboreal dragons, mm -hmm. the garments. That that that's also where I'm moving towards. They are a beautiful, beautiful animal or animals. Yeah, I had a uh, I had a import male green water dragon. Uh, for like 10 years wow like when i was growing up like middle school through high school and yeah and all that and you know i got him as a just a beat up he was one of those males that had the colorful necks and so he was already old by the time i yeah. got him and uh you know spikes missing and all that and yeah. set him up in this real nice cage i had live plants and i had a running fountain like i i decked awesome. this thing out and yeah he he stayed he stayed with me for like 10 years you know and Lord knows how old he actually well, he already was. was. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it was just a really good experience. And, uh, you know, I just, I got away from the lizards because they, they are more work, you know, than they are. And the snakes are. Yeah. Uh, if I had the space and all that, I don't have the biggest backyard, you know, and I'm, I'm in a normal neighborhood. So, you know, I also have neighbors to worry about. Yes. Uh, I'm hoping, you know, I guess my 10 year plan, if you want to call it that is to get a place with land and throw a building up. And, you know, if I can do that, then yeah, I'll definitely do some stuff outside. Get um, back into lizards. Yeah. <laughs> back into insects. Yeah. That's the other, Oh, were you also the other part of it? Yeah. Cool. What, what were you keeping uh, like insects as well? Or just no, the feeders? I mean, Oh, yeah. the feed. okay. 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 Yeah. Cool. Yes, yes, yes. And yeah, here we can only the do outside. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But you know, I mean to have something that cool, but the cool thing with those is you can feed them so many different things, you know? Yes. Uh, it's not like, like when I was just keeping lizards, I would just buy, uh, we would get 
th- order of a thousand crickets like every two three weeks yeah. and that's just just crickets after crickets after crickets and yeah you know now i you know i know how to breed super worms and mealworms and you guys have uh, dubias down there as well right uh those are illegal here are right, you guys well yeah so, us too us too so we have to uh use we can only get discoids discoids they just legalized discoids here like a couple oh, months ago go. a couple months ago okay they yeah. breed, uh, yeah, they breed pretty good. Uh, orange, apparently, if you give them pieces of orange, it basically makes them breed like crazy. Interesting. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder why, but okay, yeah, that's. I didn't ask questions. I just yeah, you know, I had I just, some stuff. I I tried it, yeah, and yeah. It, the colony boomed. So okay, I'm yeah, I haven't picked up a colony yet, but I'm looking forward to it, and I'm gonna try oranges. <laughs> there you, yeah, when you get the adults and stuff, uh, yeah, yeah, it works. Keep them warm and keep them fed, and they'll. They'll do their thing. Yeah, because that comes back to variety as well, right? Like I'm also yeah. almost feeding crickets and mealworms and whatnot. So mm-hmm. like getting some something else in there is, is definitely beneficial. I always liked uh, I always like supers more than mealworms. I know a lot of people are anti superworm, but if you breed them yourself, they uh, you get every size that you need, and their meat to exo exoskeleton ratio is uh, so much better. You know, it's not just if you're worried about them you know biting or whatever just you know you can take care of that before you feed them off yeah i don't know i don't i i've heard i've heard these people uh, people say like they get the animals get bit from the inside using superworms i've never had this experience my thing is mostly the size so now that i I don't know how i never thought of breeding them myself and getting smaller sized ones that's that makes a lot of sense Uh, when we're all done, uh, and you get time someday, reach out to me. I'll show you how I did it here just for fun. I have a Pac-Man frog that I was breeding them for. Okay. And uh, I just did it as like a little pet project thing. And I had thousands of them in like two, three months. At different sizes. And was, yeah. And I was breeding them in 32-ounce uh, deli containers, like deli cups. Yeah, okay. it was, yeah. Okay. I, yeah, I will definitely reach out to you and, and yeah, I got you, man. Because yeah, because that's very cool. Awesome. Okay, I, I think I think I, yeah, I think that's that's probably about everything I have. I have today. Okay. So, uh, first of all, thank you very very much for coming on and sharing well, all that awesome information me. with us for sure. Um, hopefully, we can do it again uh, one day. Can you Anytime. let? Yeah. Uh, can you let everyone know where they can find you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Uobami Reptiles on Facebook and Instagram. I also have my uh, website, uobamireptiles.com, uh, which thanks again for the compliments. That's That means the world. You have no idea. I know. Actually, I, I was saying before, I don't know if, if I said this online or not, but uh, it's definitely by far one of the best websites I've seen in the reptile hobby. So if you haven't gotten a chance, definitely go check it out. I, I appreciate that. For sure, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. I have a YouTube channel. I haven't posted in a while. I've been toying with the idea of getting back into it. I want to. I just haven't. So hopefully I'll get back in the swing of that. If people want to listen to me ramble more, <laughs> that'll be another spot to do it. So. Sweet. Yeah, and I'll have all of those links um, in the show notes. And thank you for saying your name because I was trying to figure out how to pronounce it before the episode. <laughs> so is it? So do you say the W? Yeah, it's U. Uwabami. Okay, perfect. Yes. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Once again, thank you very much for coming on. I will have all the sh- uh, all of your links in the show notes below. Um, thank you for teaching us about pythons. <laughs> awesome. Everyone no else, 
uh, go check out Billy's channel or Billy's social medias and website and everything else. Um, I am Daffy's Reptiles on all social medias. Daffy's Roundtable for the podcast. Thank you all very much for listening and we'll see you on the next one.